America's Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling, and the impossible has happened. Again! So shouted the headline on a local news site this week because just a few days ago, something came to Phoenix. Well, neighbouring city Scottsdale, actually, but something came that is not a regular visitor to the Sonoran Desert. Snow! I know! Yeah, 80-odd degrees last week, that's about 27 in new money, but just for a few brief moments this week, about 20 minutes to be precise, it actually snowed in the area around Troon North, a golf club about 10 miles from my house. One of the golfers, Ryan, gave a statement to the local news. Everyone started hanging out in the restaurant, he said. They were kind of taking videos and chuckling about it. Obviously, it was really cold. (laughs) This is what he said. We had a lot of people from the Midwest who were not very happy. They thought they'd gotten away from it all, but it didn't happen. (laughs) That's brilliant. Ten miles away, however, where I live, not a single flake. If I squint out of an upstairs window in my house, I can just about see the snow on the distant mountains. But my back garden, sleet free. There was, however, much excitement this week on the drive home from school. For about a minute and a half, the girls and I found ourselves driving through a flurry of hail. Hail in the desert. First time we've seen it in three years. I never, ever thought I'd hear a teenager born and raised in Manchester exclaim, wow, at the sight of some icy balls. But, you know, that's desert living for you. If you're listening to this podcast in England, I am aware you have had a week of three or is it four? I've actually lost count of back to back major winter storms. So I'll zip up now about my 90 seconds of hail. But still, what a week. There are a few more moments of excitement this week, one starting with a blood-curdling scream about lunchtime on Saturday. Now, if you live in a house with young kids, you will know in the few brief seconds it takes you from the moment you hear that blood-curdling scream to arriving at the door of the child who has screamed, you have gone through about 400 different terrible scenarios in your head of what on earth you're going to face when you get there. (laughs) What I was not expecting to hear on arrival was the hysterical sobs of a 10-year-old who just got back from her riding lesson, just about able to articulate, Princess Margaret, she's gone. Princess Margaret, you will remember, is the beloved bearded dragon of said 10-year-old, now pretty substantial in size. A tiny lizard, she is not. What do you mean she's gone, I said. Where can she have gone to? But, yeah, she was right. Somehow, (laughs) that substantial lizard was not in her terrarium. She had escaped. Now, I don't know if you've ever spent a couple of hours searching for a sandy-coloured reptile in a house full of sandy-coloured carpet and sandy-coloured floor tiles, but it was a bit like that movie Predator. Do you remember the one with the camouflaging alien? (laughs) I kept thinking out of the corner of my eye, I could see her and then, nope, nowhere to be seen. My main worry wasn't, of course, 
not being able to spot a beige lizard on a beige carpet. It was more the two massive dogs and two not unmassive cats who had not yet met Princess Margaret face to face. And you can imagine the rest of that thought process. I thought it was going to be a tough old weekend. Well, I will spare you the details of the ensuing panic and hysterics during the search and skip to the thankfully happy ending when I don't really know what instinct made me do it. But I got down on my hands and knees and checked in the gap between the bottom of the bathroom cabinet and the top of the skirting board. And there she was, squeezed in, in the tiny little gap on top of a strip of wood. It is hard to know what a lizard is thinking but I do think she was secretly thrilled with the whole kerfuffle. But lost lizards and wild weather didn't actually turn out to be the biggest news of the week. It was news we'd been anticipating for a long time. Over a year, in fact. And that's a long time to be holding your breath. But this week, a FedEx van pulled up outside our home And our door knocked and we were handed a large cardboard envelope. And in that large cardboard envelope were four plastic cards. One for each of us. Four plastic cards that mean we can breathe out. Four plastic cards that mean that after nearly three years, a bazillion forms, a gazillion different demanding criteria, multiple references and supporting documents, super close scrutiny, biometrics tests, full medicals, interviews and more hard-earned dollars than I care to acknowledge, we are all now officially permanent residents of the United States of America which also means we can now leave. (laughs) Now, as you might remember, during the height of the pandemic, President Trump and then President Biden kept the borders to the United States closed to a number of countries and regions, including the UK and Europe. If we had left the USA during that time, we would not have been able to get back into our home and the girls' schools and our pets and our jobs. Both Dave and I were on temporary work visas called O-1s, which last up to three years and are non-immigrant visas, i.e. you are allowed to stay for just a set period of time. You are a temporary resident. But when the borders opened to non-residents and tourists, the problem was we still couldn't travel as we were for nearly a year in what is called adjustment of status. Once you apply for a green card and your application, although not your petition, has been approved, if you're outside the USA, you're not allowed in. And if you're already within the USA, you cannot leave. You must remain in the country until the decision is made, until that bit of plastic is in your hand, which is ordinarily fine until your parents are unable to travel because of their health and you can't get to them. It has been a tough old time. So yeah, come early summer when the girls break up from school, for the first time since we left at the beginning of May 2019, we will be heading back to Manchester. Oh, should we have a brew? Put the kettle on. 
I'm really excited and I also feel a bit nervous about heading home. How much will things have changed? Will it feel like home? There's a few months to go yet, but I am already really looking forward to it. When those green cards arrived, as you can imagine, there was a whole rush of emotions. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie. There was part of me looking at that bit of plastic and thinking, wow, is that it? (laughs) All the drama and money and waiting and uncertainty. And it's just a bit of plastic. (laughs) But of course, it is so much more than that. And to me, it represents determination and security and relief and possibilities and, yeah, a sense of freedom now. And there are more benefits, of course, to being a green card holder, to being a permanent resident in the United States, an immigrant, as opposed to a temporary resident. Congratulations, one friend texted when I told them the news. Now you can buy a gun! When your green card arrives, a brochure comes with it with a photo montage featuring the Golden Gate Bridge, the Statue of Liberty and some impressive red rocks, which I think might be in Sedona in Arizona. Welcome to the United States, says the front cover. A guide for new immigrants. The blurb inside continues. You are now part of a long tradition of immigrants who've come to the United States and contributed to a strong and vibrant nation. When I think of European immigrants to the United States, I always think of the thousands of people who headed to New York in the early decades of the last century, arriving in their thousands from Poland and Italy and Ireland and Germany, arriving often with just a suitcase and being processed, as they called it, through Ellis Island before stepping foot on American soil for the very first time in downtown Manhattan. And whilst clearly their journeys were so very different to mine, it does feel strange to think we share just a little bit of a connection now. So I can't really believe it. It's been over five years since we sat as a family in Washington Square Park in New York City. And I thought about this country and how it's so complicated and contradictory and vast and troubled and amazing and what an adventure it would be to live here. But I didn't have a clue where to begin. Not a clue. But here we are. So if you've got something you've always wanted to do, somewhere you've always wanted to go, or some new career or new life you've always wanted to try, if you've dreamt of making a change, you don't need to know how to do it right now. Not all of it, at least. You just need to take a step in the right direction because with every forward step you take, the horizon, your goal, comes just a little bit more into focus. Until, even if it's been years, before you know it, it's happened. You've arrived. So, in some ways it feels like the end of a journey. A journey that I didn't really know I wanted to take until I was on it and a journey that I never really knew for sure we'd reach the end of, until we did. But in other ways, in much bigger ways, it feels like the start of a journey, 
Who knows where the next five years may take us? Our new backyard? Well, it's pretty big. So, it's not goodbye from me, but it's see you around. I may well still pop up from time to time as our little family continues to trundle on down this somewhat dusty highway. You'll still be able to find me on Twitter at Walker Sam, on Instagram at Sam Walker Radio, and of course at facebook.com slash see you in the desert. I'd still love for you to come and say hello. And when I've got some new stories to share with you, well, I'll be back. Until then, thank you so much for listening for coming on this wild old ride with me. I really, really appreciate every single message you have sent and every single story you have shared. Please keep them coming. Really, genuinely, thank you. Take care. Stay safe. Be happy. And of course, I'll see you in the desert.